Welcome to the Sound of Movement podcast. Today, we are talking injury management, and really, we're talking about load management. We're going to be demystifying this topic. Yesterday's show, we talked about how to prevent injuries, and a lot of it was around load management, and we realize that that is something that you probably need to know more about. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the show. It's time to rock. If you're new to the tribe, Rich is behind the mix. Phil is here at the table with me. We are Unity Gym experts at turning driven people into athletes. This episode is brought to you by the Unify Movement System, the only online program effectively balancing strength, flexibility, and fitness so you can unleash your inner athlete. Get daily coaching by us, plus our epic foundations prep program and revolutionary structural balance blueprint to create your ideal program and optimize your performance. As a valued listener, use the link in the description to get your first month absolutely free. Now, before we get started on today's show, a warm welcome. If you're on the live stream in the UMS Movement Mastermind Facebook group, leave a comment and we'll send you some love. Remember that anyone can join and interact, so search Facebook for UMS Movement Mastermind and join. Lastly, shout out to our YouTube athletes catching the replay. Hit the like button to support the channel and subscribe if you like what you see. And if you're listening to the podcast, subscribe away so that you get notified when we upload these awesome podcasts. How are you today, Phil? Very well. Uh, shame about the little technical glitches at the top, but uh, hopefully we're good to go. And everyone that's my bad. Is... That's my bad. I'm failing today. <laughs> <laughs> Rich, is, Rich behind the mix is uh, in struggle town. So, mm. but we're we're on. We're talking about stuff that I like to talk about and could talk about all day. So yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. Happy days. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, it's uh, you know, there's a lot going on, um, not just in the world all the time, but in in Sydney, New South Wales, and in our personal lives. Um, you know, we've uh, Yanni and me have you know been given some news lately that we're dealing with, and you know these floods are going on. People are losing their houses. It's an opportunity for me, in all honesty, to take a moment of gratitude and to think about all that we've got. Because I think often we, you know, even and if if if, if you're dealing with injuries and this is something that you're listening to, this this is something that's worked for me. It's easy to focus on what we don't have, right, or what we're missing. But sometimes it's really important with all the things that can be going on around us to focus on what we've got. And if you think about it, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably doing a lot better than, than a lot of people in the world. And I think um, today for me, I'd like to just take a moment to, to be grateful to be in this room with you guys and you know have the opportunity to do what we do every day. So. Yeah, that's my little little moment of, uh, of gratitude for the start of the show. Perfect. And look, if you haven't done it yet, have a listen to yesterday's show because it's really going to pre-frame what we're talking about today, right? Um, yesterday, the whole show was really about how to prevent injuries, how to avoid, uh, you know, getting injuries. And you spoke a lot about um, that the majority of injuries that you deal with uh, with our members at Unity Gym are, are chronic injuries versus an acute injury. And if you don't really know what that is, the idea, a chronic, anything that's chronic is something that's developed over time and you can't really put your, put your finger on an exact event that's, that's happened to cause it. Whereas an acute injury, an example would be spraining your ankle. Like it's something that happens in a moment of time. It's you go, you know, you do something, you go and something happens to your body. Um, and so Phil was talking about how with chronic injuries, they can usually be avoided by better load management. So do you want to just um, give a little bit of maybe a summary of what we spoke about yesterday with that before we go into what load management is? Yeah, for sure. So that idea of having, um, you know, acute things very off, you know, you can point to an exact time and an exact incident that you can see that cause the injury. Whereas with this, um, and, and, you know, people kind of make sense of that and they kind of understand how to 
will generally understand pretty well how to get out of that. But I get so many people who come in and they're like, I just don't understand what happened. Everything was going well. I was training really hard. And then suddenly um, this happened. I tried resting it and didn't make it better. And so the kind of common things are there are the kind of chronic injuries. Um, but there's also, um, which I didn't bring up yesterday, but tendinopathy we often talk about all the time. Um, that seems like an insidious onset. Like there wasn't a particular mechanism that you're like, oh, that was really bad, but it just interacts slightly differently than your kind of classic chronic injuries. But um, where this load management idea becomes really useful is with those patients who don't really understand what caused their initial injury and um, when they come in, looking back at what they've done leading up to that point is exactly what's going to tell you, um, you know, why the injury started and and you know how to how to get past it so it's a really useful tool is if you're not already tracking what you're doing start tracking it because that's a yeah great tool for not only seeing what's worked and what will make you stronger and maybe things that you've missed out a little bit of and you could do more of to make you stronger but it's so useful for um yeah for analyzing why an injury happened and and how you can avoid it in the future yeah and i've got my own story with that which you know my first real um introduction to this and when I when you really started to educate me on this concept was it was probably about four years ago now um, I would say when I developed golfer's elbow um, uh, more commonly known as medial epicondyl well it's probably most commonly known as um, golfer's elbow but golf's it's elbow, the technical yeah, term is yeah medial epicondyl medial epi Epicondyle, yeah, yeah, you get away from the itis, right? Yeah. Um, so tendinopathy, so medial epicondylopathy. <laughs> medial epicondyle tendinopathy, or ten, yeah, there's anyway. We'll keep yep. the golfer's elbow. Yeah. So golfer's elbow tendinopathy in the uh, forearm uh, on the on the inner arm, like you feel the the pain right up near your elbow on the inside, and basically even like gripping anything, like even even picking up shopping, you know, gets to a point where it's painful. Like even opening doors. Um, when you turn the doorknob uh, like inward, like when you go from the pronated to supinated position, um, was quite painful for me. And you spoke to me about load management, and I'd never really understood it before. But through it, that that process caused me to really learn about it. And and if you if you want to know what I did with that info, um, and this is why you know we I feel that we speak from a a little bit of a place of. Um, maybe not authority, but definitely experience when it comes to this stuff. Because I was so hell bent on getting a one arm pull up and the one arm, the one arm chin up, I should say, and that was what I was working on. That, that was that poor load management. And what I understand now is that I hadn't conditioned myself properly. I looked further into you know people that have already achieved the one arm pull up, like with gymnastics training and things, and what the prerequisites were for it. And I didn't meet them. I didn't meet what the basic prerequisites were, which means that I hadn't conditioned all of my body to be able to handle the load that I was about to do. And, and that load now was what we call an abusive load on my body. And that abusive load caused a, uh, a chronic injury. So that's an example of how a chronic injury has happened. Whereas I've then also suffered acute injuries like a slap tear where I've gone from absolutely nothing, no pain at all. And I've done one movement, one rep and gone, oh, like that. And then go, oh, what's that? And you know, through further investigation, realized it was a it was a slap test. So these are these are things that if I knew what Phil's about to talk about today, um, I really believe that I could have avoided those injuries because if I knew what I know now, I would have tested myself to see if I met the prerequisites for the 
for the one arm pull up, realized that I didn't, and then I would have done basically what I'm doing now, which is increase my load capacity for pull ups so that I could achieve the minimum requirement, work on the one arm pull up, and hopefully not be able to achieve that. So, do you want to talk about what would that process look like, Phil? If I, you know, if we were doing things the smart way and we realize before we get injured that you don't have the load capacity for something by testing yourself, for example, with the pull up. What does that look like then? What, is, what does it look like to increase your load capacity? And what does it even mean to increase your load capacity? Yeah, and so that's what today's all about is kind of demystifying what we're actually talking about when we say load management and looking at all the different variables that contribute to load on any structure or on your body. And so today I'm going to go through basically um, all the major um, variables that I can that I think have, have the biggest impact on this. And what I want you guys to do and hopefully get out of this is when you're thinking about a goal movement, a goal exercise, a weight that you want to lift, a sport that you want to play, is to be able to kind of mentally go through this list and think like, okay, how much of, you know, this particular variable have I had in my kind of chronic training um, load? So as I talked about yesterday with the idea of acute versus chronic um, loading, so like how, what you've been doing for the last month, what you've been doing for the last three months, etc. Um, so how much of this do you need for that particular exercise or activity? And then, you know, how do you go from where you are to where you need to be? And I we talked about this a bit yesterday, but what so often gets people is that they just, um, you know, go from zero to a hundred. They, you know, if they want to get to a goal, it's up here. They'll just like try and park all the wall and jump straight up instead of taking the stairs and trying to put, park away your way up a wall is going to lead to injury. But mm -hmm. just, if you take the stairs, you just gradually start increasing these variables. Um, the variables that are specific for what you want to be able to do, that's what's going to get you there. So, um, you know, I kind of, I think a, a good, um, example of this for the pull-up that we had in the gym and has changed the way that um, programming's happened is, you know, in the past we've used to use bands and used to try and just, um, you know, get people doing band-assisted pull-ups and, um, and probably about a year ago decided like, hey, that doesn't actually work because it's not getting the variables of intensity that we need in the right ranges of motion to achieve a pull-up. And so we've taken that back and started using other variables like um, basically isometric and eccentric loading um, to get strong in the right ranges of motion. So um, that's a bit of an example of how, like just in the gym here, we've, we've looked at the, the pull-up specifically. Um, but yeah, what I might do now is just start kind of going through the... Um, what load is? like? Yeah, yeah, what the different loading variables are. And so the two big sort of um, buckets that we uh, put load into are basically the idea of macro loading and micro loading. We have talked about this on the podcast um, a bit before, but the idea with macro loading is basically like, what are um, what does your training program look like? So, um, what are all the variables around um, your volume and intensity? So, your sets, your reps, your time under tension, and your rest periods are going to make up the volume for your training, and then also the frequency of when you're actually doing that exercise. So, in the gym um, and with the UMS, it's very specific about which days you do what fundamental movements and training which parts of the body because you need to get that big picture loading right because we know if we kind of if we continuously do what would be safe like and productive levels of of overload that would get a good response but too close together that can be enough to then overload and cause injury so um, that idea of volume and, and frequency is really key um, and so that's a, a big idea of sort of macro loading is like what's in your program and then what are the big sort of um, other factors that you've got to keep in mind so if you're looking at shoulders using your example like if you're spending the rest of your day at the computer on your desk in this very like hunched over position um you're using your shoulder 
like on the mouse all day or you've got or probably a better example is uh you know a manual labor using a hammer or you're um doing something like intense gripping um that's kind of got to be in your big macro loading picture of like okay I, i'm in the gym i'm doing three days a week of upper body work um plus the two days of um upper body mobility and then i'm also eight hours a day you know using the shoulder in this sort of way like it's and then maybe you've got a um, hobby of surfing on the weekend that's got to kind of all be in your picture of your macro loading for your shoulder because you you basically got to think like what are all the big picture things i'm doing and how much am i using your shoulder mm -hmm. so that make a bit of sense for macro loading yep yeah yeah for sure and i mean <clears throat> it's um and there's lots of different ways that you can get that right as well like if we don't necessarily talk about yet how you can get it wrong like i've done um like for those of you that don't understand this or, or or don't really get um what feels an aspect of what phil was saying when he was talking about what we do in the ums where we do certain movements on certain days to manage the macro loading that's what we call a program split and there's a lot of thought that goes into a program split from a coach from this macro loading standpoint um then you as an individual have to think about the things that phil spoke about where it's what do you do outside of the gym as well that adds to that bucket of volume but um, I won't talk about that uh, for my, uh, my point that I want to make here. Um, there's different ways you can do it. So in the UMS, what we do, we do like bend time strength, for example, on Monday and Thursday, which means those are upper body movements that involve bending the elbow as you push or pull, which puts a certain type of load on the arm, right? And we do that on Monday and Thursday because with the amount of volume that we put into one workout, we like to give people 72 hours before they repeat that same kind of movement again. But on, I've also done program splits where I've done bent arm strength six days a week, but the intensity of the, of the workouts is greatly reduced from what we do in the UMS. Because if I was doing six days a week, doing that same uh, bent arm strength movement at the same level of intensity that uh, I was doing in a, a, only two days a week, I'd guaranteed to blow up my elbows and my forearms again. So, you know, when we talk about load management, we're talking about a lot of different things. Do you want to talk a little bit about what the intensity variable is, Phil, and what I'm, what I'm referring to there? Yeah, 100%. So when you think about intensity, it's going to be either how much weight you're putting on the bar, if it's a barbell lift, or how much uh, for a pull-up, you know, how much body weight you've got and how many. Um, but then it's also going to be with calisthenics and, and, and with some uh, bubble things. It's going to be about the leverage involved in the body as well. And so they're the kind of variables about like how much of your maximum voluntary contraction are you utilizing to do that um, exercise. And obviously when you're um, accessing like the highest sort of intensity, if you're lifting the heaviest weight you can or you're, um, you know, going uh the maximum sort of leverage in a calisthenics movement you're going to have to use a lot of muscle intensity which is great for um creating a stimulus to um basically teach your body like hey we need to like increase our maximum volume traction we're, we're overloading this movement we want to get stronger but at the same token it's going to be the thing that is going to need the most time to recover from both from a like structural uh, muscle damage side of things because it's it's the intensity and the and, and the volume that um will give you that uh, muscle damage that then turns into um, hypertrophy mm -hmm. um, but then it's also going to be a neurological um, it, like recovery needed from doing really high intensity stuff because as we talked a lot about with what is strength it's it's about um, actually accessing the motor units and that comes from neural drive so when it comes to intensity it's all about like how do you access the most possible power from the muscles you have and that's gonna um, yeah cause more 
time for recovery. So when it comes to something like what Rad was doing, that was with your pull-up program with, yeah, um, yeah that, so that idea of kind of greasing the groove is, is the idea that you can bring things back to a um, lower sort of percentage of your maximum intensity. So for you, you know, how many pull-ups could you do? Like My maximum pull-ups that I could do, and I tested them shortly before I did that program, I could do 15 um, pull-ups. So supinated grip, or if you don't understand yeah. that, underhand grip, palm facing yeah. towards you. I did 15. But when I was doing that um, six-day-a-week of pull-up training, I was actually I was doing five sets. I started with only doing three pull-ups per set. Yeah. So it was so much less than what my maximum effort was, but the focus was 100% on quality and I worked my way up to being able to do um, six pull-ups in a set. Yeah. Um, but the but but when you look at what that adds up to in a week, because the example of like with pull up, doing fifteen pull ups as a max effort, if you try and do that in a workout, that second set of pull ups, I would probably not be able to do more than ten. Yeah. And if that ten was my max effort in the second set, by the third set, I'd barely be able to do five. So there's a the way that you might think oh, I'm going to do five sets of fifteen. I've never seen anybody be able to do five sets of their max effort of pull ups. You always have to do a little bit less if you want to be able to maintain the reps throughout the set, but when you, so you look at the amount of volume that would be done if you do those max efforts in one workout. In that example, I would have only done 30 pull-ups. But when I'm doing five pull-ups per set and I'm doing five sets, I'm actually doing 25 pull-ups in a set. And you add that up over six days a week, that is a lot of pull-ups in a week. There's a lot of volume, which is why the intensity has to be brought so far back. And they both have their pros and cons to them. There's reasons why you would do both. And if you're listening to this, this, this is a – it is a – Big topic, isn't it? It's exactly. there is no a lot of people want the the blanket answer where they say, okay, well, I want this result and this is what I'm dealing with. So what's the answer for me? And it's really really hard to give a blanket answer like that for somebody yeah. like what is the right intensity and what is the right volume that you need to do to get load management right? You know exactly. But yeah, it's 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 just such a key. That's a, such a good example for people seeing like that. You know, you could have. Um, yeah, it's a lot of time people think like frequency or or volume is going to be the thing that kills you, but it's it's all about that interplay between intensity and total volume. So, yeah. um, by staying so far under your sort of maximal threshold, it's a, a way of you know that's going to be just like if you were going for a walk down the um, you know maybe climbing a set of stairs, like mm -hmm. as opposed to sprinting max effort for um, up the stairs. So it, it's a um, yeah really good example of that, and I th and for like a reason why that might be a really good method of training is is it's a, when you're doing frequency like low intensity and very frequent things that's great for skill development and mm -hmm. basically like really nailing in movement patterns so that's why you might want to use that then which Whereas, is really good for calisthenics movements it, it can be really really useful for you because when you're talking about learning how to retract and depress yeah. the scapula and things like that like that takes time to develop it's yeah. it, it's not going for a max effort just once or twice a week that produces as good a quality result than that method that that i just described isn't yeah, it but where we see it so often get wrong is, is people like i have a pull-up goal so i'm going to do pull-ups as often as i can or you see those like 100 push-up a day challenges where people go from doing something super Nothing high frequency to, yeah. with really in high intensity so yeah. it's just really key to understand that there's like all these little dials that you can turn yep. up and turn down and there's no one thing that's going to be like 
you know dangerous it's just about how you you turn up the other um dials in there and so this is a good kind of time to then talk about the micro loading and using pull-ups an example still um you know you might have pull-ups programmed but can there's I, can i just do you know what i think we should do phil because we only got five minutes left on the show i reckon we should do an entire show on micro loading tomorrow and i think that we i mean you you let me know what you think because th these shows when we do them we have a plan but then we realize how long we're talking for and i reckon we should wrap this show up on talking about how people can learn to manipulate intensity better and maybe even a bit of volume and understand intensity and volume a bit better and then maybe we do a whole show on microloading tomorrow what do you think yeah it could do um yeah. yeah because i feel like we've just talked about intensity but we haven't actually talked about really so how do you increase or decrease intensity like for somebody that has no idea because a really good example like i would say when you think of a barbell if you want to increase intensity you add more weight to the barbell but if you're thinking about calisthenics it's not so clear and i think a good way that I could describe that you would increase intensity with calisthenics is, the, is a version of a push-up, where if you do a push-up on your knees and you want to increase the intensity, you can do a handstand push-up with your legs up on the wall. Now, that's literally jumping up about 10 steps of intensity. Yeah. There's a hell of a lot of steps between that. But that's a way that you can understand how, how does intensity affect weight when you're lifting weight. It's quite simple. Add more weight or take weight off to increase or decrease intensity. But with calisthenics, it's basically about either increasing the mechanical advantage with leverage or decreasing the mechanical advantage of leverage. So when you when you when you understand that concept because we haven't really talked about yet how does how does load really how does so that's that's how what intensity is. Do you want to talk a little bit more about volume now maybe? Like what is how does volume affect load? Like what is it um, how are the different ways that you can manipulate volume? Yeah, and so with the intensity side of things, we will be getting into that a bit when we do do the micro-loading talk because it's, it is about like the kind of biomechanics of the lift and how um, by positioning your body in slightly different ways or having your, um, yeah, sorry, that like with grip changes or um, basically position of, uh, you know, the point of contact with um, the rest of your body is going to change the leverage of the movement, which will then in increase in, um, or decrease intensity. So we will get into that a bit more tomorrow. But yeah, with the idea of volume so basically you wanted to talk well about I, th I just want to touch on it because I'm, I'm realizing how much of a week of discussion we've got on this that we've never really <laughs> yeah. done right right we've 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 summarized load management and how in one show right but I think if we I think if we even maybe end today on just because we've only got a couple of minutes left maybe we just answer some of these guys questions and then we think about tomorrow how we're going to talk about micro loading because we've spoken about macro loading yeah so maybe to wrap up the show do you want to summarize what we've spoken about in this show like a take-home message like if you i'll even read out one or two of these questions and maybe if you spend a minute thinking sure. about how would you summarize everything that we just spoke about when it in, in terms of macro loading and how getting that right is going to yeah prevent injury and how getting it wrong is going to create injury sure. so while you think about that i'm going to um so vinnie brown is saying you're dealing with right forearm strain i did it using a power drill so, so there you go that's the macro loading thing right like he did it outside of the gym uh it's tough to keep training since i have a compromised grip i don't want to skip workouts so i have to manage the load so i don't make things worse and then he said oh wow rad your injury is the same thing i have now and then vinnie's gone on to saying i'm assuming that as long as i keep the intensity to just discomfort as opposed to pain then all is okay. Sounds like you've been listening to the right shows, mate, because that is a general, uh, I would say, a generally a correct answer. Like what I learned about dealing with um, forearm tendinopathy, which sound, if you've got the same thing I had, then that's what you've got, that that is generally the, it's basically <laughs> the funny thing, 
Phil, what Phil taught me was that the thing that caused forearm tendinopathy is actually the thing that you need to do to get rid of it, but you need to reduce the intensity. Yeah, so it's just, again, it's that abusive load and, and overload where you, we've done tendinopathy a bunch of times, so I won't go into it again now, but basically it's it's now, it's not necessarily just keeping it to discomfort, like it is kind of about pain, but it's about your baseline pain the next day. So you want to train hard enough that you, um, you know, get a, a stimulus and a response, but you don't want to go so hard that then it's sore the next, like more, worse the next day, worse yep. next day than it usually is at baseline. So it is tricky. And obviously this is going to be another big topic. That, that, that was, that was yeah. the biggest thing for me. And you know, Vinny, you really should search through the Sound of Movement podcast for anything that says tendinopathy or yep. golfers or anything, because we have gone so deep into this and there's some really good stuff for you out there yeah. um but yeah phil before we finish do you want to just get um i think steven's uh, comment here is also oh, quite interesting got a comment, does he? yeah i can't see oh here so we go okay yeah. yep uh, i still have a hard time believing that the isometric chart um sweet spot total time um overload is enough but it has been working yeah so. yeah isn't that good because what he's referring about there is we have something we call the ultimate isometric strength formula and there's this sweet spot where we teach people to only train to 70% of their max effort and get a total accumulated time of one minute. Now 70% of your max effort would mean that if you can do an isometric hold uh, for 15 seconds, your actual sets that you would do would be about 11 seconds, but it would mean that you'd do five sets. So that's a lot of sets. Yeah, and it really taps just, into that idea that people are always thinking like for strength it's always about intensity but yeah. you can see how this is a great example of just by tweaking those dials slightly that you can get a really good response but yeah. just from a yeah and and, and you and and the thing is with that chart with that formula like all things great and like most things in the ums we didn't create it ourselves we learned it from people that learned it from other people that employed it themselves to get great results and for that example it comes from gymnastics and it's used by a lot of gymnastics um, coaches by a lot of calisthenics coaches and gets great results yeah um so to summarize this idea of macro loading that we've talked about today so basically you like the best thing i can say is measure what you're doing and f have a plan of what you're doing from the get-go because that will basically tell you ex like all of all of these big programming principles will tell you you know your your macro loading so the um frequency intensity time and type is the fit principle yep. that we didn't talk about earlier but that's like kind of the classic sort of thing is thinking about what all the different exercises are how hard you're doing them how long you're doing them and, and getting that volume and intensity um, written down because then you have a good idea about it and then have a think about what it is that you want to be able to do um, long term and then try and work your way back about okay I need to have like either this amount of intensity or I need to have be able to hold the movement for longer so mm -hmm. you'd increase your time and attention so there's all these it's basically just like think about like measure what you're doing think about where you want to get to and then start to think about like how do you start to bridge those gaps so you're doing yeah. the same but the one other big thing is to make sure that you're keeping in mind with macro loading that it's about also what you're doing for the rest of like throughout the rest of your time as well so are you working um or do you have a hobby that's going to be impacting it because we've got a few members in the gym here who play rugby on the weekend and that means that you know that will change their macro loading variables by doing you know um by changing the days they do their deadlifts or their squats because they you know played the game on the weekend so um understanding that big picture is going to be really key and then yeah we'll also talk with kind of macro loading as well there's sort of energy systems that we can 
um, explain as well, but we've run out of time for that today, and we'll we'll do that again. Yeah, well, t- tomorrow, we, we, we've, we've still got three more um, shows to do this week, so we've got some really good stuff that we can cover. My my take home for this show, my my summary is that everything that Phil just said. What, what I would say is. You have to listen to your body and, you know, even the best written program that looks really amazing on paper, you have to see how it affects you. And I think people need to really go back to this all or nothing mentality where it is like, okay, I'm doing this program and then I started to feel a chronic injury coming on, so I stopped it. That's not the right approach. The right approach would be to say, okay, well, I'm feeling something come on what I'm going to do is try to manipulate the load of this program by either reducing the intensity of the exercises I'm doing or reducing the volume and and looking at the macro loading. And that for me personally is a weekly process. And I've learned how to do it so well that I don't need to spend too much time thinking about it. I just feel how my body's responding in a workout and then I'll make adjustments for my next week of training. And it often changes week to week. Sometimes I'll go from one week, I'll dramatically reduce the intensity or volume the next week, but then I'll build up so that three weeks later, I'm at where I wanted to be in that first week, you know? Totally. And this is like, that's a really good bit of advice, but the thing I definitely say is have a good understanding of micro loading. So tune in tomorrow because sometimes it's just a matter of changing the technique, changing the grip you use, the foot position, the, um, how the range of motion in the movement or, you know, other technique variables will mean that you can continue doing the thing you want to do and not just eliminate it entirely. Oh man, I'm intrigued. Tune in tomorrow. I will be. (laughs) See you all tomorrow, everyone. Thanks so much for for tuning in. And um, Stephen, ask that question for us tomorrow, please, brother, because we're out of time now. So see you later, guys. Health is about performance, not just body image. You better be willing to accept what you're going to have to do to get there. We'll start focusing on movement goals, strength goals, flexibility goals. When you nail that skill, it's there forever. The body image goal doesn't get you that It's the consistency and frequency that's going to get you there. It's not the intensity. There's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. The gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.